Hello and welcome to Travel Radio Podcast. I am your host, Megan Chapa, and Travel Radio Podcast is newly independent. Uh, it's back um, as an independent podcast away from Travel Market Media, which we left on good terms. But just so you know, if you go to Travel Market Media, you will not see me there. This will be just on TravelRadioPodcast.com. And of course, um, you can subscribe to the newsletter there and you can subscribe to the podcast from there also. Uh, a new edition is the playlist feature of Travel Radio Podcast. So if you wanted exclusively podcasts, travel podcasts on Mexico or another region of the world, or maybe all by travel writers or cruise reviews or all inclusive reviews, you can find a playlist for you under the playlist, tra- playlists, travelradiopodcast.com forward slash playlists. All right, enough about that. Let us talk to our guest. For the first time, let me please introduce Shebs the Wanderer. Shebs, welcome to Travel Radio Podcast. Thank you for having me, Megan. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, um, that's just, let me ask you to introduce yourself a little bit. We became fast friends uh, through actually Catherine Parker Magyar, who has, yes. is a travel writer who's uh, introduced us, and I've been on your podcast, so it's about time to get you on mine. So let um, I'll let you introduce yourself and then I want to talk about this article you had out recently. So please introduce yourself. Yeah, thank you again. Yeah, thank you for having me on. And yeah, my name is Shebs Alam. I'm the founder and director of Shebs the Wanderer Limited. I have a bachelor's degree in fine arts, specializing in photography, videography, and a bit of writing as well. As you said, I've got my own podcast, which is Take a Wonder with Shebs, uh, which can be seen on YouTube and all the streaming platforms such as Amazon, Apple, Spotify, you name it. I am also a radio host for a startup company called Gallivant Radio, which is the only dedicated travel station in Africa. That's cool. And I've, oh, yes, absolutely. And I have also written a few articles for publications such as the Travel Magazine as well. I've got, in fact, I think I've got one coming up this week. Oh, nice. So, yes, and you can find me on everywhere under the handle at Shebs the Wanderer. Yeah, so how how'd you get to Shebs the Wanderer? You know, it's a, it's a funny thing. Um, when I first started traveling, I think it's, you start off with take going with friends and you start off slowly, don't you? You, you don't move around a lot. But as time went on, when I first started solo traveling, that was the time when I started to move around a lot more mm. instead of sticking to one spot. And the, the name Shebs the Wanderer came from, actually a friend said years back, oh, where's that Wanderer going? And I, thought, <laughs> and I sort of said, oh, you mean Shebs the Wanderer? And I thought, well, actually, that's quite a nice uh, ring to it. <laughs> so I thought I'll use that maybe in, in, in years years down the line. And and the, I guess the Wanderer bit is, as I said to you, I don't, tend to stick around in one place so mm-hmm. it'll be literally moving around non-stop and it's very spontaneous as well and it's, it can be quite tiring and you know what the funny thing was last uh, back in back at the end of 2019 when I came back from my trip in Asia I came mm-hmm. back from Vietnam I was starting to get tired because of all the traveling because your body I'm in my mid-30s unfortunately <laughs> so as you get older I've, I've been finding that i've been getting more tired and i said to myself i don't know how long i can constantly travel because i'm on, on the road all the time maybe i need to slow down a little bit and then obviously 2020 came along and i wasn't expecting to slow down that much right which actually when i 
we're going to be talking about Turkey today. When I actually did my trip to Turkey, and I went and I travelled and I did the same things that I always do, always do. I actually had more energy because I hadn't travelled as much throughout the year. And when yeah. I did my big trip, solo trip, just wandering around, I actually had more energy to move out. Because what you do is, you, I'll, I'll talk to you about it more in detail. But you, know, you wake up early and you're on the road, night buses and stuff. So it can take a toll. But so that's where the the wander bit came in and. Yeah, and uh, I, obviously I'll, I'll still be classed as Chef's to Wonder no matter what because obviously you can, yeah, I can change the way I travel as I get older because uh, you're still wandering, I guess. But uh, <laughs> you're just gonna yeah. have little wanderers with you eventually. Yeah, little wanderers. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I guess with age, things do catch up, don't they? I, how long can you do? It? I mean, I guess I've been doing it for 15 years. This uh, the mm-hmm. body does tend to catch up, doesn't it? It's like mm. you're like a sport, sportsman coming to the end of their career in some respects. You've got to find a new way of, <laughs> pretty much new way of traveling. You will. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, so the way you travel, I mean, with my little kids, it's just not possible, right? They just, of course, they don't want to, they don't want to, I mean, some kids do want to get up and go, 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 but there is still, you know, that transit time that you have to sit still. For them, it's better to do more things in one location for some, you know, segmented period of time than to just get, you know, do this constant transit. Although one time in Lanzarote, we did do this bus tour through the lava flow and Joey took a nap on the bus and he said the bus was his favorite part. <laughs> well, one of the things I was going to say, you evolve as time goes on, doesn't it? So, mm-hmm. you, you know, the way I've, I've been traveling there's going to be, it depends if someone someone comes in my life, I'm still single. Someone who I find might not want to do what I do mm, right mm-hmm. now, you know, will probably want to do something where goes to a spot, 10 days here and there, and that's it really. And But yeah, you're right. As you get, as you start having family, uh, saying that, I spoke, I've spoken to two families for my show, and they do what I do, uh, where they're constantly on the road. and. Mm. I think I asked them the question, so do your kids not sort of, I don't know, do your kids not sort of get tired of it and stuff? Mm-hmm. And so they don't know what, they've never, they've never actually, because they're really young, they, they don't know any, any, any other way. Mm-hmm. This, is how, this is how they've been living. They've been nomads. And I had one, another lady on my show back in October last year, and her and her mum, it was, um, literally the original digital nomads. Were, were living in America, South America, Central America, Europe, and she and her education was just on the road. Yeah. So it's if you, if that's all you've known, then it's then you don't know any other way, do you? So yeah. It depends on how obviously you say that you you get about doing it yourself. You were living in England not too long ago. Now you're back in America. <laughs> yeah, and I think yeah, I think that I mean we were I mean we our, our children have done quite a bit of travel i mean as far as children in the world go they are quite spoiled they've they've got to experience a lot and i think though you know having um they get to a point where they i don't know i think that they like this now that we've been in place um my son's a little bit of a homebody like i think he like Mm. coming home it's stable for him like if i don't know it's like um a routine or something that's that's normal and i think just because we're forced to transition everything so often, um, you know, he when there is a bit of stability that he likes that. But he is starting to say, like, Mom, when are we going to have a trip again? So, uh-huh. um, 
So we'll get there. But um, let's talk about, because um, what you and I both like to do is to have uh, very credentialed experts on our podcasts that we can background check on. We do some internet sleuthing. We stalk our guests before we have them on. And this article, um, that's not, that's not, you know, cause we could talk a long time on it, but let's mm-hmm. talk about this article you wrote, um, so that people understand when they're listening to your podcast or when they're listening to my podcast, kind of what we're doing in the background before we actually elevate a voice and, and give them, you know, a platform yeah. to talk about, you know, what they're doing. Cause essentially we're creating free marketing pieces for people, right? So mm-hmm. if I'm going to, if I'm going to create this free piece of marketing material for someone, it, they better be, you know, for lack authentic. of a better word, authentic, but yeah. truthful. And um, let's talk about, you know, your article and how it came to be. Yeah, I'll tell you what. When I first started, well, first started doing my show, this was last year. Uh, uh, when you look at the industry as a whole, you think it's fantastic to be in. You're going to be traveling, meeting different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't know the ins and outs, really. So when I, I guess when I started, it's like with anything, you don't know too much. It was when I started interviewing and, look, I guess, studying the, the art of the travel world, really. And I realized there's, there's a lot of, and this is something just from talking to my guest. It was one guest I had on. I, I realized, actually, the guest I'm bringing on, are they genuine? Mm. Uh, because if listeners listen to my show or watching the show, uh, let's watch it and go, surely not, that that can't be right. If I, if I, I, I got quite suspicious, you know, talking to one guest thinking, surely that can't be true. That's way too good to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how it actually started. And then I started getting, well, I guess, slightly obsessed. And what, one of the things with the show that you do, we're almost, we have our own media. It's like our own media thing, isn't it? Like a small, yeah, it's a pirate radio team. station. That's it's right. Like, yeah, it's pi- pirate, you got pirate it? so, video. Yeah. Yeah. So. One advice that I got was uh, from a good friend. Uh, he said, remember your platform is, it can be listened to or watched by anyone and there could be potential, you know, companies, networks watching you. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. They call them, you know, um, talent spotters, don't they? And yeah. in fact, one of the reasons why I got the job on the radio was because they watch my show. So nice. when you do a production um you've got to make sure you do your due diligence and you know recently there's been lots been spoken about when it comes to due diligence uh, especially uh, like the bbc for example um they did this thing um the diana thing where yeah. they thought it was legit what they had but it actually turned out not to be so background checking i th- was something i didn't do initially when i first started but I started to do so when I uh, got suspicious of one guest. And it was so outrageous. And this person had been on everything, you name it, all the big networks, interviews galore. And I started this. I think one of the things, I'm not a trained journalist. So I started to get some advice from a lot of journalists. Uh, a lot of editors have been picking brains and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And they said, you really need to look into these in detail. And then when you do so, you realize actually, 
are these people legit? So mm-hmm. once I started doing that, um, and sometimes I don't, when you're sort of, I guess, as you just said, they're stalking almost like your guests, you know, infos and checking, background checking and stuff. Um, they might think, why are you doing this? Um, but if you've got nothing to hide, then you don't, there's nothing to worry about. I will be absolutely made up if someone did checks because there's nothing really to, nothing really for me to hide. Right. So I felt as though the biggest problem within the industry is the businesses suffer. So the reason why people do it to, is to get investors involved. It's a massive money-making scheme, isn't it, if you think right. about so it? Right, so the thing, let me just break in quick. The thing that we're talking about, the thing that it is, what they're doing is inflating their followers, inflating their yes. views through the purchasing of bots. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Sorry, continue. Well, 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 when you do something like that, it gets investors interested. And in fact, there was a documentary done recently by HBO Max called Fake Famous. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. people will do any... Now, what is the actual goal um, when it comes to... Especially the travel bloggers, influencers, what do they want? It's I guess it's a bit of fame, but also... Well, I don't know. Sometimes They want to get paid questions. to travel. They want to get paid get to have paid fun. To exactly. So yeah. and the travel, if you think about it, you're traveling around the world someone's paying you for it what what's not to like so if you can inflate your as you just said uh, your following uh, your engagement it makes it easier for investors then to invest and if you make up stories some people i've spoken to when I, some some of the people that i don't checks on literally just made up stuff and mm. w- w- the thing is once one platform sort of puts you on other platforms will probably think oh they would have done their checks Right. Um, so there's no point in me doing the checks because you're already on a big network. What's right. the point? We don't right. need to check. But actually, you'd be surprised what you find out. Because, uh, and one of the things again I've sort of picked up is the language used. You got to be. Uh, and again, I got. You'll notice it. You sometimes people don't notice it, but you watch a. Especially here in the UK, you've got. Uh, I mean, our news networks are very impartial anyway, and there's a bit of balance, but. That sometimes the language they use is very, very um, can be misleading sometimes, but also it's a hook, so it gets people interested. So I started listening to people's interviews and whatnot, and it's it, it, the biggest thing is it's trying to make your way through the industry in such a fast way that you're investable. That's the thing. And then you're living this luxury lifestyle. But actually, have you, how authentic are you? And I did say in the article that I don't blame necessarily the influencers or the bloggers. Mm. It's the regulations. See, it, that's where I think U.S. versus U.K. are different. I'm like, I don't want mm. regulations. I do blame them. I want mm. them to self-regulate. I want them to have a a drive to be authentic and a drive to be truthful in their presentation of themselves. So I, I, I do blame them. And I, I mean, I be, I'm approached by these people regularly. And then when I start to ask some questions, you know, and say like, Oh, uh, you know, whatever I'm asking them or, 
you know, asking for a clarifying angle because I want to, I like to talk very specific things in the podcast. I don't want to talk generic, like theories of travel or whatever they're talking mm-hmm. about. Um, or like, I don't want to inspire people to travel. They're already inspired to travel. That's why they found my podcast. Um, but yeah, I, they don't, they don't get back to you because you've, you've asked a question and there are plenty of people on plenty of platforms that will pick them up because they have a shortage of guests. Cause getting guests and scheduling them is actually time consuming of and course. finding good guests is also time consuming, especially in the travel world because people, I mean, it's been actually a luxury now because people have been stuck. And mm-hmm. when people start to move again, it's going to be difficult again. But that's the thing is that all we're asking folks, we'll put a link to Sheb's article. What we're asking from you, the consumer, is to choose good content. Choose names that are reputable and are vetted. And on my podcast, on Sheb's podcast, we'd make an effort for that. So that's what we're asking you to do is, you know, if something sounds too good to be true, yeah, yeah, do some research. Absolutely. And one of the things, just before we move on, mm-hmm. the reason why they want to go on as many platforms as possible, it then legitimizes that person or legit, legitimizes their business. Because as I just said to you, if you go on various different things, oh, I've been on Megan's show, I've been on Sheb's show, I've been to, mm-hmm. people will be like, oh, wow, this guy is actually, or this girl is actually huge. You know, mm-hmm. this, so it legitimizes your, your, legitimizes you really. Yeah. And I'm, I don't play that game. We're like the league of influencers over here. <laughs> <laughs> it's not actually. I've had a lot. I've had some great support from a lot of fellow writers and mm. uh, but I've also had a lot of backlash from it, which is I was expecting that. And you know, there's been some, um, I would say, exaggerated or over the top reactions from some people. Yeah, um, let's not but, even give them the dignity but, of mentioning but, them. I know, but it was expected. I expected yeah. that. Oh, I, I say if you're trying to cut off someone's food supply, mm-hmm. then they're going to come back at you harder and, you know, sometimes make up lies about you and stuff. So, but, um, it's, I, I think if you've done a good job, I, I, I see it as a, I've done a good job actually. So I've done, mm. you know, I've had praise from, and actually it was quite surprising. A lot of people in the industry came, came to me and said, I didn't realize this was going on. It's like, really? Yeah. You didn't? You didn't realize this was going on at all. Surely you must have. But if you think about it, the blogging and the influencing world is very new still. It's a yes. very new world. So is podcasting. So, it's a wild so west. Podcast. Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah, so, but it's going to be obviously years to come. Years to come. It probably. I, I, this is where I obviously we differ in terms of regulation. I think if if there was regulations brought in, it will actually. It it wouldn't necessarily make people do bad practice in that sense. But as you said, they, in America, it's slightly different. You you guys like to go on, go based on, you know, your ethics. And uh, But unfortunately, I, I think there's, sometimes you need a bit of rules and regulation to, to guide you. That's what I think anyway. Yeah, I mean, but beyond that, really, there needs to be penalty, right? Like you can have all the rules and regulations, but if there's no teeth behind it, mm. what does it matter? But, uh, and you get found out, by the way. Those people don't last long. You know, um, yeah. at the end of the day, they they tend to. It's like a flash in the pan. You know, yeah. you want longevity. If you want longevity, then you do it right. And it takes time to build these things. I wrote in the article. It really takes a hard work. Believe me, I've been doing this now for a year or and a half, fifty, eighty months, and I'm just about to start to sort of get recognition. And I've put in. I'm telling you, seven days of hours hours and hours of work so mm-hmm. nothing, nothing gets given to you you know easily yeah. in my opinion well you're doing a good job 
Well, then let's move <laughs> on. Let's move on. To, we're gonna. Put, I'm gonna write a blog article before this comes out, and then on the day, uh, um, it'll it'll publish with the episode in it, and you'll be able to see Sheb's article. You'll be able to get links to his uh, video podcast on YouTube, soon to be audio podcast. In case you can't watch while you're walking your dog or whatever, you'll be able to link to. You'll be able to click through um, to all of those things. So. But today, um, you had a really unique experience that I want to talk about um, because I don't know that uh, like when, when Americans think about traveling, traveling, they're like, um, I'm going to plan on going to Turkey. I don't know that mm-hmm. that's just high on people's lists. And the country itself is fascinating. The history, the architecture, the people, the food, it's, it's fantastic. And we'll get into the travel uh, restrictions later, but... Um, Let's just talk about you being like the only tourist in Turkey. Yes. Oh, well, I went September 2020. So this was, you know, we're still in the pandemic. It was mm. very high. You know, cases were high. And it was actually, it was in some, I, I told someone last the other day, actually, it was quite stressful at times whilst I was traveling there. But it was also an experience that I've never had before. Mm. And that's what travel is about, isn't it? Nothing is ever going to be what you plan out to be. Sure. And being, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a bit of a wanderer. So backpacking is something I tend to do. And the biggest problem whilst I was out there was there was no one really there to meet and hang out with. And that's never happened to me. I, I, I mean, I travel solo. But I'm never usually solo. You know, you mm. always meet someone along the way. Always, you know, yes. the first day, you know, on the bus, on the tra- anywhere, you meet someone. Hostels and anything, but it just wasn't the case. And the other, obviously, other thing was because people were keeping their distance. You, you don't know where this person's been, so I understood that as well. But I just didn't see anyone. And when I landed in Istanbul, and there's a very popular place in Istanbul called Sultan Ahmed, which has the Blue Mosque, uh, mm-hmm. which is, the, the Blue Mosque is also called the Sultan Ahmed Mosque, which is next to the uh, uh, Sophia, sorry, Sophia, is it Hagia Sophia? Yeah, I am so, going Hag- to allow you to tell me the right way to say it because I will get it wrong. Yeah, I think it's Hagia Sophia. Uh, now it's become a mosque actually. It used to be, you might have seen it um, as a church. In fact, it was a church. Mm-hmm. But then it, and there was a big, um, big hoo-ha over it because it switched into a mosque. Uh, so now if you do go there, it's heavily securityed. So when I was there, it was 24 hours security mm-hmm. because there were the people who obviously used to go there to pray, you know, and it was a church, having it it then being turned into a mosque, there was a bit of a political thing. But that even that road where it's usually packed and my hotel receptionist told me, this street here, you're literally crammed when you're walking and you have to be very careful of people pickpocketing. Mm -hmm. And there was no one, literally, and all the shops were closed. Yeah. You know, there was... Maybe That's what people have told me before. Like when they think of when, if people have told me they've had a negative experience, it's a, it's that exact scenario. It's just too. It's overwhelming. Oh, it's overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. They're being bumped. They've been pickpocketed, or however it is. So that's just. I mean, 
I don't want to say right time, right place, because I don't know that I would have taken the trip, but that's just mm-hmm. incredible. Well, that's one of the reasons why actually, in the, cause this was actually my first visit to Turkey. One of the reasons why I, Istanbul especially, it's a very touristy hotspot. And I try and stay away from the big tourist hotspot. But mm-hmm. I thought actually this could be a good opportunity to go because, you know, there's no one there. And I was literally, there's hardly anyone there. I, mm. I you know, you walk around freely. Uh, what were the uh, regulations like? They, there was, they had all the distancing, of course, and... Were there curfews or anything? There wasn't curfews at the time when I went. I know at this moment, I, I think there is. I know I've got, I've got a friend who's out there right now, mm-hmm. who's actually from, actually I've noticed a lot of Americans going there right now because you can travel to there. Unfortunately, at this moment, uh, we're not allowed to travel. It's, uh, it's on a red list for us. Yeah. Uh, but when... In terms of, I mean, they kept, they did all the precautions. I say they did the social distancing, but you, you were sat next to others on, on someone else, you know, there was, you were sitting next to someone and the table next to you were very close, but I mean, they took as, you know, they had the mask, you had to have the mask on, you had to wear a mask whilst you're walking on the streets. Yeah. And if you didn't, the police would, well, as a tourist, they didn't really they, they, they do fine you, but as a tourist, they'll just say, put your mask on. I mm. think um, people who are residents there will probably get, were getting fined. Mm. So you had, you had to wear your mask. And yeah, I mean, they did everything that they could do to a limit. But, mm. you know, Turkey, I mean, one of the things actually with Turkey, you didn't have to do any tests when you went in. And I think that's still the case. You don't have to, especially for Americans, you don't have to do any tests to go in. And in fact, I met one American further southeast and I said, isn't your, I thought no one was allowing Americans to come in. I said, actually, Turkey are. They just said, you know, uh, they took a temperature check and said, you're good to go. And there was no quarantine whatsoever required. So yeah, I'm on the State uh, Department page right now. There's no restrictions for entry. You do need a tourist visa, though, that is required. Right. I think for British, we didn't really need any tourist visas whatsoever you just walk I, I don't even get a stamp i can't remember if i got a stamp or not oh, but yeah. uh, so we, yeah, we, I, was, I guess it's part of europe for us so it's still easy for us to sort right. of access and that was part asia as well uh, i was but gonna say but you're not even in europe anymore <laughs> no well well we, we are still in europe but not part of the european union that's I know. What, uh, <laughs> but yeah no so it was very there's hardly anyone there and I can, it got even, there's no one there. I mean, the, the more I travel, the more I realize that I'm on my own pretty much. So, mm. it was a, so yeah, it was an interesting time to visit, I have to say. So how did you come up with your itinerary or you just kind of knew you're going to land in Istanbul and then you're going to take some recommendations from locals? Yeah, my usual, usually the way I travel is spontaneously. So it depends on how I feel. So, for example, when I landed in Istanbul, I wasn't too sure. I, I didn't have, in fact, I think I only booked a two days max to stay initially in Istanbul and then see how I felt. And mm. that's the way I've been doing it over the last four or five years, uh, going off how I feel, really. So if I feel good for the place, or if because you can meet someone, you know, you can meet a couple of people and you become friends. You might think, okay, do you want to go here? So, so I, I, I don't really have... I have an idea 
of where I want to go and what I want to do, but nothing set in stone. Hmm. So if it, and it, it's good that in some respects it's great to have the time to do it. Not yes. everyone's got that luxury, and not everyone's got that time, especially yeah. in America. In That's America, right. when, I know you guys only have a short period of time in terms of vacation time, so you have to really, you know. <laughs> right, we plan because if you, you don't, you show that. up, and the thing you want to do is booked. I mean, you've you've squandered your time, and mm-hmm. because the world is so big, maybe you only get to that country one time. Of so course. you and so I and with our kids, like I want to make sure they get to do their things. I'm gonna find appropriate, you know, things for them to do that match their interests, that are close by, blah blah blah. So, of course, I'm, actually, I'm a planner, so. You're right in one, some respects. Obviously, there's certain things you have to plan for. You know, if you go to somewhere like Peru, you have to plan the Inca Trail nine right. months or ten months before. So I, I get, I get, I do get that. Uh, but knowing that Turkey at the time when I went, especially as a city, the way I travel, it's spontaneous. I knew most places, attraction-wise, it will be free. There wasn't going to be any issues, and mm. it was the, it was the case actually. So. You know, Istanbul, I think I decided to stay for three, four days, might be five. And then I just moved on. So I, Cappadocia was something that a local person said to me, you need to go here. In fact, yes. I think it was the, um, when I went into one of the restaurants, they said, you need to go here. And then I went into a travel agent and they said, oh, you need to go here. And you need to go here. And I was like, okay, right. Okay. I think I got everything planned. So they just said, you just keep going south, southeast. And the more southeast you go, the better the history gets and wow. you're going more towards the the syrian border um it, and it's absolutely beautiful down there and the weather's always great so and people you know he's telling the truth in the sense that i've watched the video and uh it is it's incredible and um but let me ask you some things in, in order a little bit so what sort of language skills did you need i heard you so that you go into a travel agent, which shout out to travel agents. We have many that listen and they're mm-hmm. so invaluable, but uh, especially during this crazy time. But, um, did you have, were you using any additional language skills or you found people that spoke English? Well, in Istanbul, they, they can all speak English. Mm-hmm. There's no one really that you won't be able to communicate with. Obviously it's an international, well, everyone, everyone goes there. So mm-hmm. English is, so you don't really need to be learning Turkish before. Obviously it helps if you, wanted to learn a few few words like thank you and hello and whatnot it does go a long yes. way but Agreed. you didn't really necessarily have to learn turkish before you went there so and one thing actually i want to say is going into travel i try to always use the local agencies because it's it helps their economy doesn't it and especially at that time of the year at that time when i went if i started using the well-known brands and companies it just takes the money away from the local local businesses so yeah that's a good tip i mean i i always try to use the you know a local tour guide as 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 close you know getting the money as close to their hands as possible yeah that's interesting i i I guess i hadn't considered flying into a location then talking to their local tour guide or local tour travel anyway i i do that now more than anything actually when i do a lot thought planning uh, when I do my itineraries because they sometimes get you a better deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes when you book it, let's just say if you're in the States, I, I know as we just said that you, planning ahead for you guys is something, but sometimes when you go into the country, you, they'll give you better deals. You know, they know certain people. Sure. Uh, it happened throughout when I went, when I was in my time in, in Turkey. Um, but if you do, once you start traveling out of Istanbul, you do need to maybe get yourself a, a you know an app that translates for you because sure. 
not every in fact i think i, I went to a place called mardin and there wasn't many people even the hotel receptionist didn't know how to speak english mm. uh you'd be very fortunate if you found someone that could uh, you know ordering food and stuff it was mm. it, it was difficult so what the is your app of choice uh, the one I use is iTranslator. Okay. Uh, that's really good, I think, because you can speak into it and it translates for you. Uh, I think you you can buy a subscription for it, which you don't need to have the internet for. Oh, great. Uh, which, which, when I travel, I tend to just do it for when I'm away. Otherwise, there's no point paying, you know, however much it is for, for the full year. But right. it is really good in that time. So you can get them to speak into the app. And it translates for you. It translates for you in English, mm-hmm. which is great. So I, I used it in places like China, which is a place where they ha- not many people know how to speak English. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a, it's a great app. It's um, I mean, I, as I said to you, sometimes you can get away with just sign, you know sign, pointing at things and sign language and stuff. So yes. it's that's uh, it, a way of doing it. But yeah, the more fur- further further away you go from the touristy hotspot the more likely it is that you're going to be struggling to communicate in English anyway. So, But um, you always find a way to communicate with someone. Yeah, and it's exciting to have the dialogue. So that's helpful. Yeah, it's Absolutely. very helpful. <laughs> so then what was the highlight of your trip? Oh, wait, no, no. <laughs> Let me ask you first, because they might mm. be different. What surprised you about Turkey? I found the and this is probably again the misconception of the of the media but everyone was just so nice and mm-hmm. you hear about you know hot I mean, you hear about stories about turkish turkey and turkish people and stuff but i found everyone to be pleasant you know everyone was very you know when i went into restaurants and whatnot so welcoming and it was just overwhelming at times it could be because partly because there wasn't many people around and they you know, they they needed, I guess, people to go into their places to eat and, and shop mm-hmm, and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I found I found everyone to be fantastic, you know. And the, what, what actually, what I, I didn't realize this, but when I went further southeast, they've got a, a huge um, population of of Syrians because of the. Uh, there's a lot of refugees that have come over mm-hmm. and they were also some of the nicest people I've met ever. Mm. Uh, again, you hear stories about, you know, Syria and stuff, but you know, they were all fantastic. They were obviously there due to, you know, reasons that they had no choice over, but yeah. they were fantastic. And what a place I went to a place called Haran, uh, which had literally no one. The tour guide that I met there said I was the first tourist all week. I was like, really? It's like, why is that? And he said, the governments around the world tell people not to come here because there's, conf- there's apparently conflicts between the Syrians and the Turks. And, and I said, is there? And it's like, because oh, I can't see anything. And obviously, that doesn't mean that it won't happen. But, you know, it was an absolutely beautiful place. The history there was fantastic. In fact, the, the history, I think, was one of the big things. I didn't realise a lot of the stuff out there. Like, I went to a place called uh, Ufa, which had Gobekli Tepe, and that's like the one of the oldest historical land sites, landmarks ever discovered. You know, it's older than the the pyramids in Egypt. That's yes. how old it is. And that was I didn't realize how old it was until and the, the history behind it. And it was only discovered in the last hundred years, less than hundred years. 
And isn't that, that wild was, that they keep unearthing things around the world? Well, absolutely. It's, it's a bit like the ter ter Terracotta Warriors, isn't it? Yeah. I, I don't know whether you've been. I went there a couple of few years back, and that was only recently as well, wasn't it? In the last 40, 50 years. And you think, and they dug up, dug them up. So I'm sure that we're going to be finding more stuff. But that was actually really, really fascinating. If anyone, if I was going to suggest the place, uh, not many people go to, unfortunately, but Ufa was absolutely fantastic. So that, that, those, that mm. really surprised me actually how, how uh, historical it was. But I guess they're not too far from Greece, are they? So it's, yeah. I can see why it's so historical. Yeah. So then, um, have we hit the highlight of your trip, or would you like to mention something else? Yeah, I, I would say the, the biggest highlight was uh, seeing Gobekli Tepe, but Mardin, whenever whenever you ask me that, Mardin sticks out. I'll tell you why. It felt as though I was on a movie set. That's how amazing it was. The, the buildings, the architecture, they're all under conservation so they can't no one can touch it no one can build anything around it but it was just and by the way that that place doesn't get many tourists anyway mm -hmm. uh, prior to the pandemic not many people go there so not many people so when i asked them you know it's, i can't see anyone here is it usually this quiet or is it usually and they said no, actually this is about right you usually get a few japanese tourists every summer i think they said but apart from that it's it tends to be quite quiet so we haven't been hit on a financial level for our businesses as some parts of turkey may have done oh interesting so that was that place if if you, i mean i wrote a article on it for the travel magazine and it it was just i don't know how to explain it but i, I felt as though aladdin was going to pop out at any time you know <laughs> it, was, it was that great and the, again the hospitality was fantastic the weather was fantastic as well because you're quite high up. Mm -hmm. uh, if you if you do go, the old town is where you want to stay, and the hotels they were very very um, cost effective. It wasn't it didn't cost you much to stay in a five star hotel. The top restaurant there as well. I mean, you're talking fifteen dollars max you're paying, mm. so it's not much. Amazing. So you can eat. And I actually also met a film crew. They were filming a Netflix episode, a Netflix series called The Gift. It was. I think I met the at the production staff there, and they were fantastic. And in fact, one of them actually translated. Uh, my English into Turkish because the waiter was really struggling and I just asked him what do you do for a living and he said oh actually I'm in a uh, I actually f in a production team for The Gift which is a Netflix series I was like oh wow so that was actually quite, that was quite interesting yeah so Mardin and Urfa definitely right up there I would say you know it was just a historical site and, I, and also it was away from anyone there was not a single tourist around so that was, yeah. that was another, another reason why i would say it was right up there back okay. in the loads to be quite honest with you huh so then um what do you think that tourists should know or purposely try to visit that's you know not a scientifical itinerary i know we've mentioned a couple but um is there a special a specific maybe excursion or activity that you did that people might not think oh turkey's known for this and i have something in mind i just want to see if you also say this yeah I, I didn't realize this but i went to a place called pamukwali and i you know it was where is that now that's in the northwest and northeast south where southwest uh, or slightly higher up um near towards uh izmir and what did i do i did paragliding there 
which was, you know, I didn't realise you even power glide in Turkey, but yeah. it was a place where, and also it was quite cheap to do at the time. And and the other thing, you're probably thinking of the hot air balloon. I am. That is actually very popular. Uh, a lot of people go to Turkey to go to Cappadocia. Cappadocia is quite well known. So it's a place where a lot of people go to do the hot air balloon. In fact, I was very, very fortunate when I was there. I got my sunrise ticket for something like 80 euros. And in normal times, as they said, it usually costs around about 250 to wow. Yeah, 300 euros. That's how expensive it usually is because it's that popular that they can charge, you know, extortion and people will still pay it. So yes. I was very fortunate to have got it for, I think it was just over 80 euros. I think I paid and it was, I mean, it, it was fantastic. I mean, it was amazing. I can't, I can't not lie. I mean, it was. So how of, many balloons are in the air at one time? There, there was quite a few. I mean, the, when I went, we they take you they drive you to a spot and it, it's dark uh, but you're all away from because you, you when you, I don't know whether you've done it before but Mm-mm. you have to be very careful when you're taking off that you're not too close to another another balloon so you you're slightly further away so you get you get on and then as soon as you fly up uh, or take off you start noticing so many balloons and if you see my video that I put mm-hmm. put out uh, you'll notice there's about I don't know, it must have been about 50 balloons at the time. Uh, but that is one exception. In fact, I think one person was in tears, actually, because they were overwhelmed with the experience. Um, I mean, it was fantastic. I wasn't in tears over it, but it was it was fabulous. And if you do, I guess if you do go there, yeah. I mean, it, it is a, usually it's a place people go to. And, but it was, it was, it was an outstanding experience to, to get, uh, the, the sunrise anyway, it was, yeah. it was something. And I, 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 the weather was fantastic as well. There was no, uh, sometimes it can rain, but you know, that sun rising was, was phenomenal. And you can also get a nice sunset as well. Uh, you can get that, uh, there's a place where you can climb up and get your spot there. And again, due to the pandemic, there was hardly anyone. So you were, Quite easily, I, I quite easily got a spot for for sunset. Yeah, so it's it actually so. Yeah, Cappadocia. If you do go, it's a great place to do your hot air balloon. You see, people. So in the states, we don't really have, to my knowledge, a place that like you just regularly go and see fifty hot air balloons in the air. Like mm. in Colorado, when I lived there, we would reg- regularly see hot air balloons. That's like some company has three or four balloons and they might, t- you know, and they take a group up, group up an hour and then they've got to send somebody chase the balloon and bring it back. Mm. So like, and then we have hot air balloon festivals. It's okay. kind of like a, a, it's more to me like a, a gathering. It's a spectator sport, right? It's more yeah. like a gathering of private, you know, citizens who own these for fun. Mm-hmm. And then they all go up at once for, for the visual, you know, spectacle and awe, you know, of, of all these balloons being in the air at once. It's not a daily occurrence. They're like planned festivals almost. And they are, they're festivals. And so it's pretty crazy to me that like this is just something that regularly happens. But I don't know that we have the, um, I mean, I'm sure there is a place that has the expanse of land that's flat enough to do this sort of thing mm-hmm. um, and time it regularly. But we, you know, we, we have, I mean, we do have some places, but um, anyway, it, well, it's, the, it's spectacular. In the, in the UK, there's not many 
many spots where you could do hot, hot air balloons. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think mainly down south, I think for us is the, there's not many, and it's very, very expensive. We're talking 300 pounds, 400 right. pounds, you know, yep. so it's not, it's not, it's not, it's almost outpriced for an average person to do. So right. to get the experience, I mean, I, as I said, you only paid 80 euros for it. To get that experience for 80 euros was, was outstanding. And the, the, the thing about, if you look at Cappadocia, the video and, and the pictures that I put out, the reason why it's shaped the way it is, you might look at it and go, why is it? I, well, this is what I was told. I don't know how I need to look into it a bit more. But they said there was like an, I don't know, there was like a volcano or something or an earthquake mm. that happened, which is why it's shaped the way it is. And it, there's, they're still discovering things there, by the way. Um, I went to Nefshaher, which is not too far from, well, it's part of the same sort of region. And that was discovered only about six, seven years ago. I think the BBC travel show did a episode there with um, Henry Golding, actually, the the actor. Mm. Well, he was a host. Is this the caves under the mask? Yes, it's the caves. Yes, yes, yes. I was very fortunate because I got a a private tour. No other, no other, um, there was no other no other guests or no other tourists around. Uh, they said, well, I, I said to them, I was doing, I was recording it and they said, sure, why not? And they let me through with a, with one of the drivers. So it was quite, I was very fortunate to get like a private tour of the place and I didn't pay anything. They said it will cost, it will, it will cost the following year when they open it. To, oh, actually this year. Sorry. It's, it's open this year. Well, I think it is anyway. It will cost for regular people to come in, but I didn't pay a penny for it. So I was very fortunate to get a private viewing of the entire place without anyone around. And in fact, it was literally no one around there. So it was fantastic. That's some good timing. Very good timing. You know, sometimes you need a bit of luck when you travel. And I'm not saying I didn't want people around there, but sometimes having the entire place to yourself, you know, sometimes makes it a little, I don't know, special doesn't it you know you yeah. get the spot to yourself and oh. you can then t- tell people this i actually saw it before it opened to the public yes and because you haven't been to blenheim palace yet this is another place that's like this oh, right yes you go yes, yes. right at nine when they open or you mm. go when it's raining mm. and you have it all to yourself and you're like and and when you look back at history and you think about winston churchill growing up there with his mm. grandparents and his mom and his dad and like his brother, you're like, this is way too much house for six people. Oh, yeah, like, and so, um, you can kind of have that experience too, if you're one of the first people in the door. So yeah, it's, it's cool. But, um, sorry, let's get back to Turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, complete the sentence. The ideal tourist to Turkey is. Oh, ideal tourist to Turkey. There's a mixture. I guess. You could have, I guess, I mean, it's for families. So an ideal tourist for Turkey, they, they'd look for families, uh, but also backpackers. I think it's a great place for backpackers because it's such a big, huge, huge, mm. you know, uh, traveling by land is for me, uh, for someone that does it all the time, it's probably the best way to do it. So I would say the ideal tourist in Turkey is a backpacker because you can literally get on one of those coaches it doesn't cost much mm-hmm. at all you can go from one end to another hardly paying anything i mean you can obviously take a flight i mean flights actually saying that were quite cheap when i was there you could have you, I, I mean i only used a couple of flights because no one was flying they were trying to encourage people to use the flights mm-hmm. so it, actually 
flights were actually cheaper than coaches. That's how, yeah. that's the irony. It's uh, like Ryanair. Yeah, right. it was, it was, we're talking <laughs> Turkish Airlines, they're national airlines. Yeah, which usually, yep. They were costing $10, $10. That's how cheap it was. Crazy. And my coach trip from Istanbul to uh, Cappadocia cost me $12. So <laughs> I could have flown for cheaper. That's how mm. ridiculous it was. But I would say it is for back, backpackers. It's a paradise of backpackers because awesome. there's so much, so much to discover. You could literally go. Uh, there's so much. I, I mean, I just, I thought I saw quite a bit. But then I've got a friend who lives out there. Who told me, oh, no, there's still mm. loads more that you haven't seen. You've not gone here, here, here. You just need to literally get on a coach and or get a car. I think driving is probably another good thing. You could hire yourself a car and and just drive. You know, I guess it's a bit like the U.S. where you can go from one end to another. So it's, it's, it's a paradise for backpackers, I would say. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because our goal when we, when we lived in England was to put as much of the U.K. under our feet as possible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we lost that last year, but we did so much. And I, I haven't talked about it a ton on this podcast because, you know, I don't want to be located basically. Um, but I will start to put some more of that out um, in the fall when I get some pockets of time because summer break is coming. I'll be with my kids mm-hmm. a lot and that's going to be a loud recording. So we'll, we'll save that for the fall, especially as travel to the UK opens up again and starts to be, you know, in a sense, more normalized. But, um, but I mean, we did, we missed out on so many big things and we did so many big things and we would do things that our neighbors would be like, I didn't even know you could do that in this area. I didn't know you could visit the kilns, which is, you know, tied to C.S. Lewis. I didn't know you could do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Um, and people that have just lived there their whole lives, because I guess we normalize what's local to us. Um, and it's just I don't know, it doesn't hold our interest as much. Of course. Actually, I, I've been trying to do, prior to the pandemic, I haven't done as much travel around the UK myself. It's something that I've neglected. And mm. you you could ask me prior to, oh, where's the best place? And you'd say, oh, actually, maybe go to London or go to Edinburgh or whatever. And then you're thinking, well, actually, where else can I recommend? So I wanted to correct mm. that myself and say, actually, I've been here, been here, tried yes. to go here and stuff. It's it's a lot better than just sticking around London because it's not, I mean, London's great, of course it is, but yep. branching out is, 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 but it's a bit like, again, we're talking about Turkey. A lot of people just go to Istanbul and maybe Cappadocia. Go elsewhere. There's, there's so much more I can I can talk to you about Turkey all day, actually, but there's so much more. There's so much more. You, literally, you can see. And as I said to you, my friend said to me, "You've not seen. You've seen a bit, but you've not seen everything. You need to, you need to come back at least two, three, four times." I think he said to mm. to actually see the entire country. Or even then, you probably won't see everything. Right. Well, I think that's one of the neat things about. Um, I don't want to say it's neat about COVID, but it's neat about the perspective workforce perspective that people have in the sense that you can have a remote workforce like you could have give people freedom to live somewhere for a month Mm. you know like you could and then you get people working around the clock um at all different times of the day so that you have essentially 24-hour work cycles Mm -hmm. and you know you could be exploring in your off time um and, and so i i hope that you know people get to do that long you know, that long stay exploration. Um, I think that that's, 
I, it's something I'm hopeful for for the future, especially of U.S. companies. And I'm seeing it happen. I'm like, I know lots of people that are going to Barbados to work for a month or going to Portugal for a month to live and work. Well, I think that's they can. one thing. Oh, well, I think that's one thing that's probably been a benefit of, obviously, minus the what's happened to family members and whatnot, uh, mm-hmm. friends. But one of the big benefits has been, you know, you can work from home and work from anywhere really and i think the the appetite for travel is going to be even more it's going to have a funny feeling people being stuck inside for such a long time for such a long period and obviously the u.s now is starting to to travel again oh it's bonkers oh i think there's going to be more people traveling and that's actually one thing i didn't see that's one thing i didn't come across you know when i was in turkey what any any country that i've ever been to I'd always see a retired American, you know, in their 60s, 70s with a baseball cap, shorts, backpack and him, you know, I didn't see any of that when I was in Turkey, which meant that there was obviously because Americans weren't traveling. That is one thing I realized. Oh, actually, that's one thing I didn't see. And I see it everywhere. Any remote part of the world, you always see a retired American. And that's their uniform. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then, you know, yeah, literally, you would see that it would be t-shirt, shorts, train, you know, uh, you call it sneakers, don't you? Sneakers. Yeah. I didn't see a single of that. And so that I knew we were in, you know, an unprecedented time when I didn't see that. I was like, actually, I came back and said to my friend, I didn't see a single American there that was, that was like an average tourist or, you know, mm-hmm. explorer because they worked hard all their life. And as we, as we, as I said earlier to you, you don't get you don't get as many vacation times, and yep. people do it when they when they retire. I just yes. didn't see any of that, so that was the, the bizarre thing, actually. <laughs> yeah. So then, um, you know, speaking of people not being in Turkey, 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 excuse me, Turkey. Um, at the end of your video and your recap, you had mentioned um, you experienced it as being safe, and that you know, yes. you you had seen travel shaming to some extent what do you mean by this so i again the time i went it was unprecedented of course a lot of the shaming i got and i don't want to pick i mean there were there was a lot of bloggers that were shaming me well not i guess shame or questioning why i was going Mm -hmm. i I don't want to and there was a lot of few journalists as well. And one thing you might know this, I think we've spoken about this before, you know, the travel sector is actually very small in terms of you tend to know the same people. Um, so I might know this person. So we're in that sort of bubble. So everyone mm. knows one another. And, you know, so, some people said to me, and I remember this one person, and I'm not going to mention this person's name, by the way, but some said to me, these are the words actually, why are you traveling? You're going to be, you know, spreading the virus to people and killing off people. You know, it's very selfish. And so I asked this person, so have you traveled yourself yet? And have you gone somewhere yourself to say that this is going to, what's going to, that this is what happened to you? You, you, you got the virus, you gave it to someone and they passed away and said, no, I haven't. Now, so they were commenting on a situation which they hadn't experienced firsthand and this person one person that said this to me as soon as they had the opportunity to travel got got a job offer somewhere what did they do first thing they did was go and 
you know, posting all over saying I'm I'm traveling safely. Well, how do you know I wasn't traveling safely? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you were telling me I'm going, you know, spreading spreading the virus to everyone, killing people off, mm. and you're doing it, and you're saying, oh, oh, I'm doing it safely. Well, what makes you think that I wasn't? So I think there was the, again with there was a bit of a misconception. So I looked at it as if all companies were taking precautions with COVID and making sure that you know there's things in place social distances and whatnot what makes you think that the travel industry wasn't going to do that you know the airlines would because if you think about it, the industry has had a lot of bad press and again we talk about the the travel being a luxury thing to do is it necessary is it, is it a necessity it's it's not but there's people in the industry that work and you know mm. They need to pay the bills. You need to put food on the table, and they've had it hard. A lot of these people, a lot of a lot of bloggers I know, have really struggled. A lot of, I guess, influencers as well. Uh, people in the airline industry, the travel writing industry, you name it, they've all struggled. And if you can, find, I think what I really, when I questioned some of these people, it was the fact that they hadn't experienced it firsthand, and they were writing to big followings saying this isn't safe because I don't think it well you you haven't traveled so how would you know if you I would have more respect for you if you actually went away yourself said said you know what no I didn't find any any part of what I did safe don't go um you know I'd have more respect but I think you had a lot of commentators without any first-hand experience and as you said to you one example you know, yeah, tells I mean, me not to go, and then goes them. You know, they go themselves, and what's the difference? Why? Yeah. Why is that safe? Yeah, it's curious. I mean, I think that's part of the the tragedy and the mystery of COVID is that you could be, you could have it and not display symptoms. Especially, mm-hmm. you know, as a young, healthy person, I think that's probably their concern: is that um, we could, we could, unbeknownst to us spread it um so i think that's probably their concern could they have said it a little more caringly probably um and and you know as in the travel profession i we do have some responsibility on this thing you know especially in the early days um, of isolating it we probably you know who knows how it could have affected if we had you know kind of stopped transit routes earlier but um you know we're all going to learn from it of course well actually i read a report that the, the cases that people, the, the COVID cases was very low actually from transits. Mm. It wasn't actually as high as what people were reporting. In fact, it was, I mean, I'm not saying it was perfect, but there was low cases and there was precautions taken from the industry mm-hmm. uh, with the airlines and, you know, the airports. They were very, very strict from what I saw. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why I did the video was to show that you, and I wasn't too sure when the vaccine was coming out, by the way. So I did the video to show that highlight that this is how you could travel safely during a pandemic. Cause I would, you know, you never knew who, who, who knew that vaccine was going to come out that quickly, but this was how I, how I did it. And I, I, I don't know. It was, I did it in a way that, I felt safe. I got mm-hmm. tested mm-hmm. and I was negative as well. Mm-hmm. So I guess I did everything to the limit I could do and I was very cautious. Yeah. And as I said, there was hardly anyone there actually in terms of tourist wise to sort of connect with, which was a shame. But 
Um, I, 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 I did do it, but I would say to those people that who who wrote about places of not because there was a I, I, I don't know you were still in England actually when do you remember Captain Tom Moore so Captain Tom Moore mm-hmm. he raised so much money for the for our national health service the for, for for I think it was like forty million he went to the Caribbean I think it was Barbados and he got the abuse that he got and this is a guy that raised 40 million pounds for the national health service so he went for away. people that don't know this man was he's in a walker is he still around mm-hmm. unfortunately he passed away uh oh. the start, i think the start of the year i think it was oh, uh, but sad. he he had he, he's mo- a he war most- veteran in a walker yeah. and he was doing laps on his property and people were That's sponsoring right. him mm-hmm. to do laps on his property and he like wore a hole like in his grass mm-hmm. right Mm-hmm. And um and he raised you know a crazy amount of money for the NHS to buy supplies and all these sort of things. So continue, sorry. And what happened was he had and he went legally as well. So he went to Barbados. He wanted to travel. He, he I think he went on um, a, a chat show and said he wants to travel the world. Mm-hmm. That's what he said. And so you know the the host said to him, "Best of luck." So Barbados was one place he wanted to travel to, and the abuse that he got. And partly because I think it's the media or, the, you know, I'm talking about the journalists here, you know, the travel mm. journalists, because they were saying, oh, it's not safe, you could, you could spread spread the virus. He went, he went safely, he, he came back, you know. The, the, the level of abuse he got on, on all the socials was was violent and quite disgusting. Actually, I read some of the, the mm. comments and stuff. And I think there was a bit of, there was a bit of jealousy as well because he was, traveling to a place uh so it opened it opened it up to people abusing people online and stuff you know because you went away you know you shouldn't yeah. be traveling you know so i think there's a bit of travel it's thing tricky going though on. in the sense that you know barbados doesn't have the infrastructure aruba doesn't have the infrastructure because like i was i know someone the board tours in there and they're just like we you know we don't have we can't risk it mm. um and so they're so it, I, from that sense I mean, every, everybody's trying to do right. So it's like, uh, it's a, it's a tough time. And, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, And in this case, it will be. And, um, I'm looking forward to, to seeing that and putting some of these arguments to rest, but of let's course. talk about happier things. What's next for Shebs? Oh, well, it depends on, well, I guess the restri- we still, we're still under restriction here, so I can't really travel anywhere. And if I, I think we've only got one or two list of countries I can go to, and I still have to do tests before I go. So, and I'm not I being a budget traveler, having to pay an extra two to three hundred dollars on tests, it's just not worth it. So, I'm just waiting for things to ease up slightly. I'm hoping by the fall, my plan. I mean, I had this plan last year to go to Africa uh, because of mm. one of the things with the station being an African. Yeah. radio station uh go around africa well parts of africa i want to go to uganda rwanda mm-hmm. uh host a show whilst i'm there as well and i had later on last year i want to do it if i could do it this year again i would do it there's a few places in southeast asia that i still need to explore so myanmar burma is one place indonesia philippines was another place that i really Ooh, wanted to explore this is a good list yeah. Yeah, in fact, those are the three countries left on my Southeast Asian um, route that I haven't traveled to. And mm. I mean, I've, I've been to Indone- Indonesia, but I only went for like 
few hours. I don't really count it as, as, as a place that I've gone to. So I want I wanted to explore more of that. My travel uh, writing has picked up. So I've, I've just been commissioned to write for a magazine in India, actually, called the Travel cool. Secrets, Tra- Travel Secrets Magazine. Uh, I actually, I've actually got my following is quite so I've got a big following in in India. Uh, and then my second biggest following is actually from America. It's not even in the UK. My third following is actually from the UK. I, I, don't, I <laughs> don't know how that's worked out. But Probably the, yeah, just the glut of people we have. Potentially, yeah. And actually, I've done a few things with a lot of American, well, like yourself. Um, so I think that's helped yeah. <laughs> get the, the following that I have done. So, yeah, so I'm hoping the writing takes off. I've just spoken to someone today, actually, uh, for a project, hopefully. Uh, but who knows? I mean, one of the things I want to do more of is documentaries. Mm. So doing that turkey documentary was just a bit of a teaser. I didn't really, uh, there was, I mean, I did it as a, off the cuff sort of thing mm. uh, but now I know I could just, just to see if I enjoyed it and I did because I, I, I always worry about filming whilst you're away you know are you really going to be enjoying yourself out there or are you really going to be filming and working at the same time but right. I, I like the knack of it so my next one is going to be a lot more planned and I've got ideas of doing interviews while I'm out there and mm talking to people and um, getting people involved with it. So uh, hopefully I can get some budgeting for that, but you never know. So that's, uh, that's high on, yeah, that's high on my list. And I really want the podcast itself. It's done well so far, but I think it could get to another level. So this is why I've branched out to uh, do it on, on, on Amazon, Apple, Spotify. So you've got the audio format. So hopefully I can get more sponsors involved. And I really need, well, the radio station said they want 100,000 listeners by September. And if we can hit 100,000 listeners, that opens the door up for other things. So cool. I'm, I'm hoping the listeners, we do get to that sort of listeners uh, by September. But if it doesn't happen, obviously we've got, there's, still time. there's no limit really, but this time. It just means that, again, it's, it's, investors isn't it people will invest in your network or station or the show so i'm hoping that is the case so well i've checked your followers and i sent you the information so we know that you're legit it'll happen (laughs) (laughs) i hope so i hope so it's 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 hard there's hard work along the way you know like i can't stress how you know i've i've loved it you know it's been fantastic trying to get into the world of the travel space and i, I do have another uh, thing in october i'm hoping i can fly to new york i i didn't last year but mm. travel travel unity have asked me to uh, again hopefully host a panel uh, this time it will be hopefully in new york i'll be in person but i had to do it virtually last year so i hope i can fly to new york in october so fingers mm. crossed for <laughs> cool. Well, there's an express train to DC, so we might be able to high five in person. Yes. Oh, actually, I went to DC with my, in my last uh, last visit to the states, and I was really surprised how quiet it was. And they were saying, people, when at the time I went, they were saying the workers will come in to DC, yeah. but during the weekend they all go disappear. Because I thought, yes. is, is this a ghost town? Where is everyone? And it was just <laughs> seriously, it was, it was like a ghost town. But they were saying you won't see it busy ever doing that you know if because i stayed right i remember i stayed right by the white house yeah and 
they said, oh yeah, during the weekend, it's just, it's just no one around. Well, I have not found that to be the case. So don't let that be a universal <laughs> um, expectation, especially if you come during the cherry blossom festival or any of our, you know, holidays, Ooh. it's bonkers. Oh, so yeah. yeah, but, um, it, yeah, it's, it, it's a really interesting city. So, um, I'm glad you got to come at least one time. Maybe you'll get to come again. Of course. And one more thing, I would love to do more of those panels, hosting panels. Um, so if anyone's listening, looking for people to hire. And do you know what the funny thing is? I got that last year. Well, part of the reason, uh, they loved my accent. It was like, oh, (laughs) I swear to God, one of the reasons they said, we've got a lot of American hosts at the minute. We need someone. And, you know, we like your accent. Do you well. know what's like, funny? I ended up, I've been on like a number of uh, British panels and maybe speak, accent. maybe. So listen, we'll, we'll counter recommend each other. That's what we'll do. <laughs> <laughs> so Sheb, see, you're single now. It's just because you haven't spent enough time in the States. There's like droves of women that will just listen to you talk for hours. It's fine. You just come and stay for a little while. <laughs> know. Well, do, do you know what's funny actually? When I went on the, when I did the panel uh, last year and there was, I think it was about five or six women on that panel and I had not met them properly. And they said, you know, you're, I swear to God, if you come to Los Angeles, women will be all over you. They'll love your accent. They'll just want to hear you all day. I was like, really? I'm not too, uh, yeah, seriously, they, they would love your accent. They just, I was like, okay. <laughs> I've not been to, actually, I've not been to the West Coast yet. So, um, have you seen uh, the movie Love Actually? I have that. Yes, I have. It's yes, just I, like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I can't wait. <laughs> okay. Well, anyone has a um, an event for Shebs to do on the West Coast, he's game for it. <laughs> well, Shebs, thanks for being on the podcast. I appreciate your time. No, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. It's fun, but actually, it's more. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, when you, when you start to talk about travel, it does take. All, of, all your time. So thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, let's. Well, we will figure out a way to do it again. And uh, soon I'll be on Sheb's podcast too, so you can catch yes. my interview there. Hopefully that. the video works because man, my internet was having problems that day. And um, yes, yes, yeah, I have watched it. It is okay. I've managed to edit it out. It will be out in the. Fall, I think. Cool. This, I've had, I've done that many, but it, but it'll be in the audio format as well. If, you, if anyone wanted to listen to it, it'll be on an audio format as well. But I do tend to say to people, try and watch the video because I do put a lot of effort into editing mm-hmm. the video out. So, uh, I try and think of it as my own chat show when I do the podcast. You know, it's I, I, and that's one thing that I wanted to be slightly different to. I haven't seen many people actually do the video format. Everyone does the audio format, and it's yeah. easier. But there's not many people that actually do it like a chat show. So I do the intro, the beginner, the the audio format. I'm I'm doing it slightly differently. So I've got like a recorded bit bit where I introduce the show, but the video itself, I try and do it like a proper chat show. Yeah, you do a nice job. I've watched them. Thank you. Got some great guests. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining me. This is Megan Chapa of the Travel Ready Podcasts reminding you to subscribe to both of our programs because they're amazing and you don't want to miss them and also saying awkwardly goodbye and thanks for listening all right bye-bye